Welcome to Vincent Price's Life. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Ooky and Spooky Terrifying Things. LB is indisposed right now, so I'll just start the episode this way. Tonight we have in store for you something very, very special. Um, hold on. Now, this is weird. Um, what's... Uh, what do you, what do you do? This is, what are you guys doing? All right, so now that we've got Andrew out of the way, Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of our show. My name is LB and I'm here with today my friend Monica. Hello. And we are going to be talking about the craft. At St. Bernard Academy, four outsiders are about to make all their wishes come true. With a vengeance. Magic. (laughs) We can make things happen. You're a witch. Surprise. The craft. Girls, watch out for those weirdos. We are the weirdos, mister. Rated R. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Monica, but you have not seen The Craft before watching it this week. Actually, I did. I did watch it before. I think I was maybe 11 at the time it came out. So I think I had rented it like from a local video store like maybe a year later. So I was quite young when I watched it. Okay, okay. I totally thought that you hadn't seen it. No, it's because I can never never remember (laughs) movies in general. So I always have to like rewatch it again just to make sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm a few years older than you so this was a movie that was such a part of my teenage experience i'm sure a lot of girls can relate to me on this it came out in 1996 when i was 15 and i totally bought into it well i know for sure like in school it had a really big influence in people that had already seen it before and Mm -hmm. you know maybe i didn't know about it at the time but next thing you know these girls were just wanting to start playing these kind of jokes uh, the light as a feather stiff as a board and and that's when i started actually like okay where is this coming from like Mm -hmm. why is every everyone interested in all these dark party tricks kind of thing <laughs> so that's when you know years later then I actually watched it and I was like oh this is cool like this is really like badass you're like girls yeah cool but uh-huh. I, I mean until now is when I realized that hmm it's not as cool as I remember right? it right yeah yeah so before we get any further let's just say what is the craft about okay so the craft is about a young girl her name is Sarah who moves into a new town from I think there were originally from San Francisco or something moving to a new town so she's just adjusting to her new high school and she encounters all these girls I mean it's like this typical it's a new school so let me find out what all the cliques are and you know who I want to hang out with and all this stuff so you know there's a period of time spent in this movie devoted to that so she she encounters these women who okay they look strange right I mean I'm not saying that to like pass any sort of judgment on them or anything, but they look strange comparatively to the other people in this Catholic school. They're kind of mean to her. She ends up being interested in a boy who may or may not have had relations with at least one member of 
this little group of girls she's met. And when Sarah comes in contact with Chris, the football jock, he is, you know, he's already got labels for the, the group of girls. Mm-hmm. You know, he calls them the bitches of Eastwick. He's talking to uh, the character Bonnie with the burn scars, calls her burn scars, mm-hmm. and calls them, well, I mean, what they what he thinks they are, well, which is witches. So Sarah ends up hanging out with both Chris and the group of girls separately because she's still trying to get her bearings on everything. She does come to find out that the girls are witches or they're trying to be witches or they, they fancy themselves witches and they recognize that she has potential to be their fourth to complete their coven. And not only that, it does turn out that Chris is kind of a vindictive dick for some reason. So going back for just a minute, how this movie impacted me as a teenager, like you said, I totally thought it was badass, you know? And I think that that is pretty much the consensus about this movie for a lot of girls, a lot of women now, witches are just so freaking cool, right? Like all that power and everything like that. But when I was in high school, this made an impact on me because, well, first of all, Nancy is just like scary, cool, like fashion girl like I totally wanted to do her hair and her lipstick but you know I'm not gonna pull that off in Kingsport Tennessee but did you have that as well at the time when I watched it no I mean when I watched it I was influenced like you know internally I wasn't gonna go like yeah let me go and and start wearing all this makeup and dark clothes I thought Mm -hmm. her look was really cool for sure but I knew at the time I was so young if I tried to do something like that my parents would kill me and I know it wouldn't have been cool with school for sure because they were like way super strict about dress codes so that wouldn't have flown but it's still stuck in my mind a lot like I really do like that aesthetic it really Mm -hmm. looks cool to me it's you know something different and that's so strange I don't know why we flocked to that look like Mm. what what really is it about that is it just like the mysteriousness of it or I don't know yeah now I don't know why it's become even I don't know if it's always been popular and I just notice it like the past few years Uh or it's just like you know a revival you know up to now and you know it was a real big thing before but I was trying to look into it a little more to Mm -hmm. see like what there's no real answer because I read a lot about people saying that you know it's kind of an alternative to religion organized religion whether it's that or even just an alternative look of femininity yeah like in response to the societal norms of what women should dress like or you know that kind of thing right yeah so but it's really mainstream you're right like um, there's this like sexiness to it there's man I mean Urban Outfitters is all over (laughs) this stuff you know I mean you can probably get the look at any probably Old Navy will probably start picking that (laughs) stuff up like you know yeah but it's just become increasingly popular for what reason I'm not sure if it's maybe just I was thinking okay they're trying to reclaim some kind of like feminine power so Mm -hmm. they kind of well there's a difference you know okay we'll get into this in a little bit really but you know there's a difference between the self-care aspect of, you know, doing divination and, and, and things like that versus fashion goth witch, mm-hmm. you know. So, but, you know, occult imagery has always been 
popular. Right. Especially if you look at, you know, Italian horror movies in the 70s, heavy metal in the 80s, you know, I mean, there's plenty of things that you can cite. Now, Monica, I asked you to be on this show not only because you're a really cool chick and also my in real life best friend, but because you grew up here in the in the Rio Grande Valley. Yes. Where there are traditions. Yes. There are corinderos. Mm-hmm. There are practicing brujos, right. brujas. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get your opinion on how culturally things that are in like Mexican culture, you know, um, Hispanic culture, how that is brought into our modern world. Well, yeah, I, I did grow up with a lot of that. I mean, maybe my interest went earlier than, you know, these movies that kind of like influenced us even more. But people here are very superstitious when religion doesn't give them an answer they kind of look to something else sometimes and that's where witchcraft or some other type of force will kind of like you know they'll gravitate towards that to kind of explain you know what's going on so fill in the gaps yeah fill in the gaps yeah so i mean i experienced that a lot with people i work with Mm -hmm. telling me these little stories that i consider like wow this is kind of creepy this is (laughs) pretty witchy i don't know but it's just because we are very superstitious and we like to believe in many things in everything in everything (laughs) (laughs) like do you think there's a place for it or will there always be a place for it i think so it's just so ingrained in the history and the culture that i mean you you can't get rid of it like people are passing on everything like recipes and things all the time i mean i don't have any personally you know Mm -hmm. but i really love listening to the stories and the traditions Uh that keep it alive and i find Mm -hmm. it so interesting just makes it that much richer it's called folk magic right right so Uh it's the same thing as learning folklore, folk tales, you know, it's just fascinating to see how these things have made it through history and how it just like keeps being passed on and it's weird to me because logically you're Mm -hmm. like, no way, like how is wearing red underwear going to help me on the eclipse day, (laughs) you know, but there's just strange reasons behind everything and it seems crazy. It does. But then it gets in your head and you're like, oh, well, what if I don't do that? What really, what? if so then you end up doing it anyway yeah well you, you kind of want to try it out to see if it will you know <laughs> yeah. it will work because you never yeah. know it's like well if it doesn't oh well if it does awesome <laughs> right but how much of that is psychosomatic you know like how yeah. much of that is like what yeah. what you're looking for it to like what outcome you're looking for right you know i guess kind of like a placebo effect <laughs> yeah where it's just like this is going to help you this is going to get you better and you start believing it you start believing it and then you know you think you are getting better but in reality it's like you're not it's it's nothing it's just a pill so in the movie how we find out that sarah kind of has witchiness about her to begin with is that she's in class and she's sitting at her desk and she's holding a pencil on its point and she ends up letting go of the pencil and it's still standing there on its own straight up on its point and bonnie observes this Nev Campbell was so funny in this scene. Like she, that was classic. Like scream. Like wasn't she doing that in Scream too? Where it was just the the breathing, just very. That's her weird acting style. I think. (laughs) Like she has this really strange way of breathing, like you said, Mm -hmm. or gasping that like is so unique to her. Like Mm -hmm. I don't think that anybody else in the world gasps like Nev Campbell. (laughs) 
Nope. She wasn't really like a dominant character in this. No. Well, I mean, I wish she was. Because I think that's what everyone was kind of looking for. It was just like, like everyone's right. Googling over right. Nev Campbell because, like, oh man, she's, she's so hot or whatever. She was in Party of Five at the time Party already. Five. And Scream, of course. And what else was she doing? Is that really it? That's it. She, everybody was like salivating over her. Mm, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, But it's, I think it's more like any role model. Like, oh, I want to be her or something. Thing, so huh <laughs> I never would have guessed that like I mean for you I mean yeah but th- I mean that's totally fine um, for me for is I was totally like yes for is is so awesome mm-hmm. Yeah, so Bonnie notices this pencil thing and she's like, oh man, okay, now maybe we have our fourth because she's like, whoa, that girl. So they're actively trying to get her to be a part of their group, which leads me to ask, what exactly is it about witchcraft that leads young girls into wanting to practice it? Because it seems to me like in a lot of ways, at least checking out witchcraft in some way is kind of like a rite of passage for girls. Right. I mean, how did I get interested in, in witchcraft? That's the thing. It's just, I mean, I, I'm sure it's because everyone else is doing it and I was getting kind of peer pressured into kind uh, of like doing it, but there was another side to it that was, I think, yeah, it was very mysterious. It was just odd because, you know, my brother at the time, he was like really dark and really like black metal, whatever. Ah, uh, okay. That was his thing. And, and when I brought a Ouija board over, it was like, hey, do you want to play with me? And he's just kind of like, no, you're messed up. Like, I won't, really? I won't even go there. Oh, wow. But why did I even convince my dad to buy me a Ouija board? (laughs) Right? And your dad was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, he wasn't like, like, yes, of course, I'm going to get you one right now. I remember being at Toys R Us, and Mm. he was just kind of like trying to shut me up at that point because I was just begging and begging for like an hour straight, like, please, please. And I can't remember what actually, you know, made me want to convince him to purchase this for me, other than the fact that he just wanted me to shut up. Like, (laughs) just shut up. <laughs> was it just like, oh, this looks cool, or if it looks cool, uh, maybe I wanted that, like maybe there is something like, you know, I was really interested in like ghosts and spirits mm-hmm. and learning about the dead and communication with them, okay, kind of thing at the time. So I mean, that was for that. But as far as like binding and spells and stuff uh-huh. like that, I do want to say that it was all very selfish, very immature kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like, yeah, like I'm gonna put a, a spell on so and so because they're like mean to me or whatever. Right, right. But never really happened. It's just like, I don't know why I, I did it though. I can't explain why. You were just naturally drawn. <laughs> naturally drawn to it. To it. Now, since you mentioned Ouija board, I'm going to say this. And I, this is where I admit what a little wimpy kid I was. So in, I, I think it was maybe the third grade or maybe even the fifth grade. I don't remember exactly. I went to a slumber party and the girls wanted to do a Ouija board. And I had never really heard of what a Ouija board was at the time. And so they're explaining to me, oh, you know, you can talk to dead people and I'm like why would you want to talk to dead people like and I got really really upset and like freaked out and I cried and I had to call my parents to come pick me up oh yeah so (laughs) completely uh juxtaposition here between (laughs) our Ouija board experiences okay I always am intrigued by them but like I am never like I don't want to go I mean I'll go near one okay Mm -hmm. I've stood next to a Ouija board okay but I don't want to play with 
with it. Mm -hmm. I've seen paranormal activity. Yeah. There, I mean, there is a lot of fear that goes along with it. I guess I was just never really afraid to mm. use it. I'm just like, okay. oh, okay, like, I can handle this. I can do this. Okay. I, I've even played it alone, and people, you know, were telling me, like, you shouldn't play it alone. Never like, do it never alone. Do oh, exactly. no. I would do that my own, just to get answers from the uh, other side, or uh -huh. people were always interested in, like, oh, what's my future? Who uh -huh. am I going to, you know, who's my boyfriend? Whatever. <laughs> Something stupid like that at the uh -huh. time. And, and for me, that was fun. Other people, I remember I would like handwrite Ouija board, like on oh, a piece of right. like eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, uh -huh. write it on there. And then they're like, dude, like, no, like burn that. Like get this out of here. Like I am not. And then it doesn't burn. It doesn't burn. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't want to go anywhere near it because they were just afraid that there's that real fear that something mm. bad will happen if, you know, yeah. they play it. But come on, I mean, it's a mass manufactured thing by Hasbro. By Hasbro, Like, how yeah. dangerous can it actually be? <laughs> However, still, I don't there, know how mine... that lingering thing. Yeah, there is. <laughs> mine disappeared somehow, and I blame it on... Uh... What? <laughs> I know, I want to have like this like really scary story where it's like, no, it just disappeared one day. I didn't find it. It like walked away or like, floated away. <laughs> yeah. But I'm pretty sure it was something like my mom was like, I'm not going to have this devil thing in here. Oh, okay. uh, we're going to throw it away. Okay. Which was also another thing like you should never throw it away because mm -hmm. that's bad too. Uh -huh. But I always kind of <laughs> believe that, okay, she probably gave it to my aunt. My aunt at the time was like really big in tarot and like oh, stuff okay. like that. She's like, ah, whatever, she can have it. So I, that's where I think it ended up. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some like teenage girl is gonna find it in her closet ten years from now yeah. and be like, Where did this come, <laughs> come from? from? And it's your freaking it's Ouija, my board. Ouija board. <laughs> Give that back. Did you have slumber parties? I mean, every girl has slumber parties, but yes. did, did you have the slumber parties where you would do lines of feathers, stiff the board, and all that stuff? Blood, uh, Bloody Mary. We would do it at school, like during lunchtime. What? Yeah, where it was just kind of like, we weren't supervised. I mean, I did have sleepovers <laughs> and stuff, but we weren't yeah. doing that. We were like pulling uh -huh. pranks on each other, like putting whipped cream in each other's faces while we were sleeping <laughs> kind of thing. Okay. But like at school is where, at lunchtime, which is the outside, and that is feather stiff as board came up, and everyone's doing it over and over again. Different uh -huh. people like, yeah, I want to do that. It's cool. Yeah. Did it work? Did it work? Yeah, it did. But, you know, now I find out there's a scientific explanation yes. for that, because I mean, yeah, it's totally possible to do that but I mean to let them float alone that's a whole nother right? thing yeah you know up in the air let your hands go away and they're still floating that's a whole nother thing and then fall on your butt yeah and say oh my butt <laughs> as Rochelle did as Rochelle. so in the film when they do light as a feather stuff as a board that's like one of the first like real confirmations that like oh yes this magic is happening but before that how they get to realizing that the four of them belong together is this is before they've really done anything Sarah's hanging out with them and there's this homeless guy who we see before like when, when she moves into the house like the very beginning of the movie he somehow shows up at her door and it's raining and he has a snake in his hand and he's I found this out back you wanna Relax, what's the matter with you? Relax! What? what is it? That's just so freaky. And, and you know, Sarah, of course, freaks out because, like, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then later they see him on the street and he's like, hey, I know you. I know you. And 
everybody's scared and they're running away. And the guy goes in the street and Sarah stares at him. Like real quick, you know, it's one of those editing things of like, here's my face and I'm glaring at you and then a car hits you, you know? So that happens and then they run away to the woods or park or whatever this is. And they're like, we, we made that happen. We totally made that happen. But they're totally freaking out and Sarah feels guilty. And Nancy is all like, it's not our fault. He was after you. It's not our fault. Like literally two minutes after saying, we made that happen. So that is the first indication to me that these girls are in way over their heads. Their motivations are completely wrong. Right. So, so yeah, that's the first time that I realized that they're kind of wrong in their motivations. I mean, Nancy especially. Rochelle to a degree, as far as how you want to treat other people. So, from what I understand about Wicca, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert at all, the basis of Wicca, and a lot of other religions actually, is do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And I think what my problem with witches and witchcraft is, and I'm not saying that this is the entire scope of witchcraft, okay? But a lot of it has to do with power and revenge and none of that is healthy. Right. So when I'm watching the craft as an adult, I'm seeing all these things, these characteristics of these girls that I'm like, oh man, it's just wrong. You know, like it's not a healthy way to live. I understand that there are motivating factors. There are situations that these girls are in, especially let's say Nancy, for example, she has this awful home life completely awful. Mother is this stereotypical trailer trash lady who is married to this like just sleazeball who's like sexually harassing Nancy even. Rochelle is dealing with a racist bully. Bonnie has her own insecurity about her burn scars. All three of them have these motivations that you can understand where they're coming from However, in the grand scheme of things, they're not really justified in their actions if you are going on the base level of treat others as you want to be treated. And there's a part where they you know, they go to the witch shop that they frequent a lot. The woman there who runs the shop, she explains this to them, like, you know, basically it's karma, you know, whatever you do is gonna come back to you times three. So the lesson here is be aware of what your motivations actually are. Okay, well, let me ask you, since you did a little bit of dabbling as a youth. <laughs> well, it was a little dabbling, but I, don't, I think I never, I never really took it seriously. I knew it was just mm. for fun, and okay. but for a second, you kind of think like, yeah, this is totally going to work. <laughs> did you ever do a love spell? I think I might have. I l at least looked it up, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. like, what ingredients do I need okay. to put on a love spell? Like trying to like DIY it at home because of course mm. I wasn't going to go out and buy the stuff myself. Oh, I was right, just like, course. I'm going to use mom's like mason jar, but where am I going to find all these different kind of herbs and things that just don't make any sense? Like mm -hmm. I remember it was more like, like paper, like written out stuff like that, you know? Oh, okay. And when you write it out, it's supposed to like come true. You're supposed to chant over something that uh -huh. you know and that's supposed to like manifest somehow you know the reason we call spelling spelling is because of writing out spells wow yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> so in, in this story, Sarah puts a love spell on Chris. Now, we already know that Chris is kind of a douche. And this is proved. Okay, so at first, maybe you give Chris the benefit of the doubt. Because, you know, oh, Nancy thinks he's terrible. But maybe he's just burned Nancy or something. They have bad blood together. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's not an entirely bad guy. Sarah goes out with him anyway because she's giving him the benefit of the doubt. Which is fine. But turns out he actually is a royal douchebag. He spreads some rumor about Sarah because she actually didn't sleep with him so he's saying that she did sleep with him and she's by the way the worst lay ever and so that's when we find out that Chris is this really terrible character he has no goodness about him he is just a liar so to get revenge on Chris or maybe not even revenge because Sarah's not really about revenge but she just wanted him to like her basically mm-hmm. for some reason I don't even know I mean, why she, it's just that I guess a high school thing because she she liked him mm-hmm. a lot and so she's like okay well I don't know if it's just not to really teach him a lesson or anything but like maybe the slight punishment right the humiliation because she was humiliated and so yeah, yeah you yeah. know the humiliation in front of his friends and his stuff bros. was probably like mm-hmm. enough to yeah. satisfy her yeah yeah and as he's under her spell like she keeps turning him down because he's obsessed with her at this point mm-hmm. you know he just can't stop talking to her and she keeps turning him down because actually it's not really that cool to have somebody obsessed with you even though you think maybe it is it's not and part of the turning him down is also the humiliation I think mm-hmm. but the point I'm trying to make now about love spells and ha- have you seen the love witch by the way no I haven't no okay it's another movie came out what a year ago 2016 I think could be wrong it's in theory a very cool movie it's aesthetically very interesting and you would think that I would be all about it because it's modeled after this like late 60s early 70s style of filmmaking like it's a technicolor melodrama and it's very beautiful and it's been touted as a feminist piece of cinema and that's fine that's totally fine you know but I kind of hate it so Surprisingly, <laughs> and the reason is, and this is going to sound terrible too. <laughs> I kind of feel like witches aren't the best people, and at least I don't know how they're portrayed on screen. I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. seen a good interpretation of a witch. I mean, yeah, that's all historical. Though I'm like, I'm thinking back like to history about the reason why they're portrayed the way they are, like their looks and everything like that. Just mm-hmm. you know, everything is exaggerated because back then being like against the patriarchy and stuff like that. No, no, that's a good point. You know, like the thing about witchcraft is taking back the power from the patriarchy. I I understand that. I get it. The thing with love spells, and this is a big part of the love witch. I mean, it's basically what the love witch is. Is when you put a love spell on somebody, you're taking away their consent. You are taking away their individualism, their character, their ability to make any sort of decisions. They become a slave. And that's what she does to Chris in this movie. And I want to know exactly how that is feminist. Because intellectually, feminism is about equality, right? Yeah. And not putting one's gender above another. 
other. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And that means men aren't superior to women. That means women aren't superior to men. Right. So when you take away somebody's consent like that, I mean, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So a love spell is, I'm trying to say this delicately, okay? <laughs> it is taking away someone's consent in the same way that drugging somebody or someone who's just asleep or knocked out or, or for whatever reason, trying to have sexual relations with that person is the same thing and it is rape. Now there is a rape scene in this film. Right. I, I mean, I don't think she was anticipating her spell to go that far. Right. But, you know, it was getting out of control and that's what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. It's ironic, though, because she wanted this. Mm-hmm. She wanted him to like her. Like you said, she didn't realize that it was going to go that far. Far. I don't know, that scene really like bothered me while I was watching it because uh-huh. uh, even though afterwards it's like, okay, you know, she wanted this, now it goes as far as him raping her, and now it's just kind of like this mentality of, oh, well, you're getting what you wanted, this uh-huh. is what you asked for. That, of course, is just not... And that's not us blaming the victim at all. It's really not, you know? It's It shows the perils of the lengths that people go to to get what they want. And you should be careful. And I think that's the message of this movie. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> oh, I'm not exactly sure if that was the goal of the screenwriters and, and the director. Now, this film was directed by Andrew Fleming, written by Andrew Fleming, and another screenwriter, Peter Filardi. Both men, obviously. Now, I have said many times before that I often have problems with men writing for women because women are very complex, not to say that men aren't, but women are very, very complex and it's hard for men to get the nuances of how women are and how they interact with each other correct. So I'm not exactly sure if these two men meant to write this this scene of where it gets you to say, oh, they're blaming the victim. Also, this was 1996. Six, yeah. so it's a little bit different these days. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you think about that, Monica? Well, I guess that's why I was just, I don't know these directors or what they had done before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, like I wasn't too sure if that's what they intended because that's how it just kind of came off to me, which is kind of like, like oh, like if they don't be careful, you know, uh, they're just going to get what they asked for, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So that's why at first it was very upsetting to me because I was just like, well, I mean, these were also written by men and how can they understand, you know, what teenage girls are right, going right. through you know, at the time. But that was just my initial reaction to this. Mm-hmm. What do you think right now, though? <laughs> <laughs> After you've uh, <laughs> s- sat and stewed with it for a few days at least. Uh, Any difference? There's not like a really big difference. I, I mean, other than I, I always think it's really difficult for a male director in general to make a, a movie about women because, you know, people like women will look at it and just be like, this wasn't really meant for me. This wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah. So I don't know. I, it's just for me, it's hard to, to know for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one thing about The Love Witch that I do appreciate is that it was written and directed by Anna Biller, who, you know, she's got some vision behind her work. She has ideas that she stands behind and you know I can really appreciate that and I just didn't really like that movie so much but now I'm saying that in contrast to this movie because she's a female it's not to say that like women are like you know less capable of making really good films or anything well yeah absolutely yeah yeah we need more women making awesome movies so the love spell backfired in a majorly traumatic way which fueled some other things that happened later on but what I want to get to first 
is there's a dichotomy in modern witchcraft. I was reading a bit. I had always thought, oh, there's white magic and there's black magic. Apparently, there's no such thing as white magic and black magic, that it's all one big magic, and it depends on how you use it. Mm -hmm. So I know that a lot of women who identify as witches currently do it in a way to find inner strength which is very important, you know, self-care is extremely important and I'm not one of these people that's going to dismiss witchcraft as bullshit immediately. I may not believe in it, I may not think that, you know, what you're doing is actually amounting to anything, but if it's something that you really feel strongly about and it is giving you the confidence that you need to conquer your insecurities, then to each their own. But the thing is, about this movie, it's not that. It's not self-care. It is, we keep saying the motivations in this film is, is all about power. It's all about revenge. Mm -hmm. And none of that is good for your mental health. So for example, like the hair falling spell that Rochelle had mm -hmm. placed on Laura. Yeah. Also, well, I mean, it would be Nancy also like doing the- She does a glamour. Gla yeah, yeah, kind of uh, turns herself into uh, Sarah to trick Chris mm -hmm. into believing that it's her, tries to have sex with him. Right. Now, that is interesting. That comes right after the attempted rape scene. And this is an interesting thing to me because this movie is supposed to be about friendship. But Nancy's motivations, like you think, or like maybe on the surface level, she's like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to go after Chris because he did this to you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to avenge him for you. But no, 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 no. That is not what she's doing. She's actually going to the party and trying to get revenge on Chris because she has her own personal problems with him. It really doesn't have anything to do with what happened with Sarah except maybe that's a catalyst for you know this has to stop now or, <laughs> or whatever mm -hmm. I think that's a problem that I have with a lot of horror films or exploitation films really is the revenge is a motivator because I think it's really easy mm -hmm. I understand the desire to get revenge like I've been angry I'm not gonna pretend that I have never been angry enough that I wanted to you know really show somebody up you know mm -hmm. And I'm not going to pretend that I've never done anything like that because then we're all humans. We all do things for revenge. We all get revenge sometimes. But it is an aversion to what the real problem is. It's not a real way to deal with anything. It's like winning the lottery, you know? It's an easy way out. And you're not really fixing anything. You're just like tearing it down because you're mad. It doesn't help. So that's a major problem I have with these girls in this movie. And other teenagers, and other teenagers, and they're not formed into, you know, mature people who maybe think about things before they do them. I get that. But it would have made for like a really lame movie if it just stopped at him apologizing because he's like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. And you're sorry, and she flips out going crazy. That scene oh, right there, right. everyone oh, is man. just obsessed with that scene where she's just like, he's sorry, oh, he's sorry, he's sorry, he's sorry. She's like floating, it's the toes dragging across the floor thing that's like, oh, it's so cool, I right? It, yeah, I totally did that last night after <laughs> <laughs> after watching it, I was just to Joseph, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just 
like playing it out because I mean that was a really iconic scene for for the movie. But I mean, it would have been a lame movie had it just like, okay, you're sorry, it's over. Okay, like, done. That's all, all we wanted was an yeah, apology. Yeah. And <laughs> no, let's hold hands and go go to the lollipop store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lollipop store. Yeah, the lollipop store. <laughs> Uh, friendship. <laughs> yeah. The girl bonding in this film, I think, is really cool. When they are riding high, you know, mm. they've just figured out how their magic is going to be working, um, they're having fun with it, they're not being mean yet, mm -hmm. exactly. This is, the like, the really fun part of the film where you're like, oh, wow, I wish I had friends who... I, <laughs> I wish I had friends, Monica. No, I think that too. <laughs> <laughs> We can just friends, so we can all like yeah make each other float and stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all of that was really short, you know. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't show enough bonding. At, you know, I only just remember when they came together uh, in the circle. I guess taking an oath to you know, and that right there was just kind of like oh, like this is a really cool moment. Like mm -hmm. we're all in the, it's it's positive. It's uh, you know they see the sign of the butterflies and everything mm -hmm. like that and like wow that's really cool but it wasn't really shown as much as the re yeah. revenge part of everything yeah like, yeah uh, yeah pitting each other against each other i mean yeah it really is unfortunate that we don't get enough of that in the movie but pitting each other against each other is really important too this is what i don't like about this movie like girls especially love this movie so much because witches are so badass, mm -hmm. right? What I hate about it, and this is the reason why ultimately I don't think that this is a feminist movie, because it shows how girls act toward each other and you know, I'm very much an advocate of building people up instead of you know, breaking them down. And I think that that's what feminism should be. And I'm not saying that it's not exactly. I mean, I know that there, it is, mm -hmm. right? But within feminism, though, I see some girls who act the same way as Sarah, Nancy, and Bonnie, Rochelle do. It really, really bothers me because it's just cattiness. It's, it's complete catty. mm -hmm. cattiness. Mm -hmm. And there are examples now the the first one is it's in that scene. Okay, I'm going to talk about Rochelle for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now Rochelle is faced with this bully. She's a racist, awful person. She fully admits to being a racist. Why are you doing this to me, Laura? Do you think you're funny? You really want to know why? Yes, I really want to know why. Because I don't like Negroids. You know, I mean, like that is there's without a doubt mm -hmm. <laughs> this girl is a racist. Mm -hmm. And so in that scene where they're all sitting around and they take the oath, like you said, and they, you know, they have the daggers on their, their necks and, and stuff. They each like cut their finger and they bleed into this cup of wine. And so they drink of their sisters, the, that scene. Each one of them, they go around in a circle. They ask Mono, is, I don't know if yeah. I'm saying it right. I never, Mono. yeah. Mono. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they ask him for a power or, you know, some sort of uh, way to rise above something that's happening in their lives. And Rochelle says, I drink of my sisters and I ask for the ability to not hate those who hate me. Which is completely admirable. But immediately after she says that though, she says, especially racist pieces of bleach blonde shit like Laura Lizzie. That totally negates what she just said. Cattiness number one. 
for mm -hmm. Rochelle. Also, I want to ask this, like, why is it such an insult to say somebody is a bleach blonde? Like, what is she trying to... That's how it's yeah, all... bleach blonde, I mean, you could have, like, said anything else, but... Well, that, that's how it's always been, right? Like, some yeah. insult, like, uh, you know, you watch... I don't know if it's actually in Drop Dead Gorgeous, but I'm saying something like Drop Dead Gorgeous where, you know, there's a bunch of girls together and one of them's like, oh, she's a bleach blonde or she's a bottle blonde. You know, like mm. as some insult, like as if dyeing your hair is something to be ashamed of. Like, right. I, don't, I don't... It's always like this uh, uh, obsession with appearance or, you know, how appearances are, like that's important to uh, everyone cutting them down is like the ultimate. Uh -huh. I think it stems from this jealousy of, uh, you know, the, the thing, blondes always have more fun or yes. whatever, you know. What does always have more fun mean? You know, like they get the attention from men because gentlemen prefer blondes, apparently, which I've never actually known anyone. Not true. Yeah, I guess I kind of get it, but you know, it's also just dumb. Right, so Rochelle puts a spell on Laura so that her hair will fall out because she has this like perfect hair Hair. Yeah, she's like the all-American athletic cheerleader uh -huh. girl. Played by Christine Taylor, who at the time I saw this movie at first, I only knew her from Hey Dude, and I loved Hey Dude so much, and I was really excited to see her in a movie, and then she's playing this completely opposite character to Melody from Hey Dude, so that was disappointing. End of story. End of story. So that was Michelle's yeah. cattiness. Yeah, and to cap it off, when Laura's hair starts falling out first, uh, Rochelle's up on the diving board and she sees that it's happening and she does this like totally smug, like satisfied dive of like, hmm, yeah, I got you, bitch. It just really bothers me, like this attitude. So that's Rochelle's situation. Nancy is like super crazy angry at everything. I mean, like like we said before, her home life really does suck. But, you know, trauma like that a lot of times will make somebody a stronger person depending on how they deal with it. And Nancy is not dealing with her trauma in any sort of healthy way. Her case is an example of the white trash problem, which is a lot of people who are of lower income and who are white fight against their situation because they have this perception that they're, they're stuck, right? And so they're blaming other people for what's going on in their lives. Now, I'm not really an advocate of personal responsibility because that's a very conservative idea that I am not a fan of. However, there is a degree of personal responsibility that you need to take in order to get yourself out of the situation. And Nancy is just not doing that. And she's taking the easy way out. And that's why she's just floundering and, and going so nuts, I think. She's really mean, especially to Sarah. and. She gets Rochelle and Bonnie like under her wing and you know, they do the thing where they call each other bitches and they call each other sluts and, and I mean, that's never cool. Mm. I mean, it's, I guess Nancy's, uh, she is like the, the leader of the group or at least, you know, so she wants to maintain that. She thinks she's the most dynamic right, person. Di yeah. And people, especially Nancy, she's a weak person. She listens to what we have. It's called a critical inner voice. You know, it's the source of our self-doubt. She's reacting to that in a very negative way. Like, she's not being positive at all. So she's basically lashing out against 
her own self-doubt and taking all these people down with her because that makes her feel superior, makes her feel more powerful. And that's what bullies actually do. So here we are set up with Christine Taylor being a bully and she's a very obvious bully, right? But Nancy is also a bully and maybe she doesn't realize it. I think that bullies a lot of times are unaware that they are bullies, but what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think the same thing. I, I don't think that they are aware that they're doing any harm, but you know, in reality, I mean, I really don't know like what causes them to, to lash out. It's all personal, probably, but I'm not a bully. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where it comes from, but I mean, there's gotta be a level of a, uh, they do have to know. I mean, they're, they're doing this for enjoyment, doing it for some kind of reaction or rise yeah, from yeah. somebody. So there, there has to be some level of knowledge that they're doing something bad. Right. Bonnie's story, though, is a little bit different than the other girls. She doesn't have revenge on anybody. Like, it's not that type of situation for her. The way that the witch power corrupts her is she becomes totally narcissistic. She asks Mono to take her scars and it ends up happening. Like her scars do, the, the treatment or whatever she's doing, cause she's having a medical treatment done as well. It ends up working. And so now she has this like total confidence boost because before she was really hiding away because she was insecure about her, all of her burn scars. So the next day at school, she comes in and you know, she's all wearing a tight shirt, like showing off her body. Um, she has on like nice makeup and she's got her hair like brushed out of her face whereas before it was all like covering everything. So she's like come out of her shell, so to speak, and the boys notice, right? Mm -hmm. So she gets this high of, oh, I'm really hot to trot now, yeah. <laughs> you know? And she becomes like obsessed with her appearance. Sarah points this out when they're in the car, like, cause Nancy's coming to money because um, her spell ends up killing her stepfather and they get a life insurance policy and so Nancy has this nice 1996 Mustang convertible and they're speeding <laughs> through town and Sarah's freaking out and everybody else is like oh, whatever who cares we love this and so Sarah is like listen all I'm saying is I think it's enough already I don't know what's going on with this I'm, I'm completely humiliating Chris when all I wanted was for him to like me and Bonnie what's going on with you you used to be nice now you're completely narcissistic. I know you guys think we're getting what we want now, but it's gonna come back to us threefold. Are we actually having a theological conversation here? All I'm saying is I think you should think. So at that point, that's when the girls start turning on Sarah, like thinking that she's betraying them mm -hmm. and apparently I like I don't know much about this but apparently if a witch betrays her coven there they have license to kill her yeah I recall yeah. Nancy telling her this you know and this is kind of you know the the walls come closing in on our heroine that's my favorite phrase heroine and really this is like the scary part of the movie with all the snakes and rats and spiders and maggots and gross things wasn't that all, it was all special effects? I can't even remember. Is it real? 
Well, at least I know, like, for sure, I mean, when Nancy's character is getting her snakes mm-hmm. whatever, crawling all over, that was generated. I mean, Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, so they go against her. They pin her in the, the bathroom, right? They're at the house. They're back at And it's just, from that point on, I just kind of, like, yeah, I, I totally just kind of checked out. I was just, like, over oh. it. Because, <laughs> okay. I mean, even though I know it, it built up to this point where it's supposed uh, to be, like, the cat fight of all cat fights. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing, like, you're using their super power. To, to conquer each other and, and yet I was already like okay I know where this is going mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm over it but that was that was me yeah okay <laughs> yeah that was me sorry I mean but maybe it's cause uh, yeah watching it the like twice the last couple of weeks was just kind of like yeah I know that's basically it okay alright well the end of the movie is like you said there's a big showdown basically uh, Nancy is really trying to destroy Sarah, uh, make it look like Sarah slit her wrists. And Sarah is really freaked out for a while. And then she realizes, hey, oh, by the way, her mom was a witch. Wait, I don't think I don't think we touched on that. Um, but she gathered the powers from her mom, who has died, and she invokes the spirit of Mano, the same way Nancy did, except for Nancy did it like really for evil, and Sarah is doing it for good to conquer evil right and there's this big furious fight and sarah wins now bonnie and rochelle have already left by this point because they're freaked out because they they walk past a mirror and bonnie's got scars all over her and rochelle's hair has fallen out the same way laura's hair did so bonnie and rochelle they they take off because they're getting theirs back times three like right they said so. right exactly but after it's all said and done and um sarah's like i'm getting out of town because i can't stand it here obviously um she's packing up her car and bonnie and rochelle just walk up the driveway you're like hi sarah how are you good then again i can sleep at night so how are you we want to apologize we feel really bad about Trying to kill me? Yeah. Honestly, we never thought it would go that far. We were just wondering, do you do you still have any powers? Because we don't. So if you ever want to just hang out and chant or, or call the coroners. Maybe. Hold your breath until I call. And then they turn around and, and Rochelle says to Bonnie under her breath, kind of like, she probably doesn't have any powers anyway. But that freaking comment still goes to show, like after everything, they have not learned this lesson to not be catty. They're still freaking catty. Yes. Like, why? Get over it. That's what I wrote at the very end there, which is big letters, catty. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could say, catty. So, I, I mean, what is the point of this movie? Really? I mean, I, what is this saying about girls? It's saying that perhaps Andrew Fleming and Peter <laughs> Filardi don't know how to write <laughs> girls. <laughs> Or they do. (laughs) 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 Like, what? Close up. Okay, LB, have you been bullied before? I'm sure I have. Like, I, okay, I don't really have the best memory of my childhood. I I mean, I'm sure that I have in in some way or another. I kind of remember being at a daycare. This is dumb, but this girl was trying to get this other girl to fight with me and I have no idea why and I was like what why what are you and this girl was like trying to hit me and stuff and I was like we're five what are you doing you know so I, I really I mean maybe that 
I don't have any like really specific memories of people being mean to me. Well, okay, the slumber party where I cried because I didn't want to do the Ouija board. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but Or the slumber party I cried because I didn't want to watch Friday the 13th. <laughs> what? I know. Okay, I know. this is a horror movie podcast and I freaking <laughs> cried because of Friday the 13th. I know. My, I know my head is in my now, hands. Like... <laughs> yeah, I know now. I mean, God, it's not even, not even remotely scary. Um, we, we watched Dream a Little Dream instead. Aww. So. <laughs> so there's that story. I should watch That's Friday cute. the 13th. It's <laughs> cute. <laughs> uh, but what about you? Have you been bullied? Yes. Uh, now that I, you know, you're talking about your story, and then I, I just remembered uh, as far back as uh, I used to be in ballet when I was about five years old. Mm. And uh, my first experience was uh it was really dumb and it was really stupid too because uh you know it was our turn to go out and do our little bit we were having a recital and as the last group was finished with their mm-hmm. dance they were coming backstage you know past the curtains and everything and this one girl i see her uh i'm just looking at her and she just like throws out her tongue at me just kind of like uh, like <laughs> like what are you like looking at you uh-huh. know or whatever but i was just like that's really rude i didn't do anything mm-hmm. to you you know <laughs> stuff like that it was really dumb and i I think also I had another account where uh, I think it was like third grade, but that was not by another girl. It was just uh, by some boy, you know, mm-hmm. trying to like beat me up physically. And I don't know why, but it was what? just like, you know, I don't know. At the time, it's just kind of like boys will be mean to you if they like you. Yeah. Kind yeah. of Yeah, I was going to say that. I was like, well, that's because that's he liked <laughs> you. <Yeah>. Wink. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. That's such a stupid old thing. But yeah. Anyway. But that was, that's all I can remember as far as bullying. But I mean, I think that really affected me, like, growing up in school and stuff. It's just, I became more reserved. Like, I don't want to deal with people, so I just kept to myself, more of an outsider kind of thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, I don't like this movie, but what I do like about it is its soundtrack. I was thinking the the same thing, too, was, you know, when movie starts, and I can't think of the music that's coming in at first. I think it's Our, it's Our Lady Peace. Doing a Beatles yeah. cover. Okay. There are a lot of covers on here, right? Yeah. The memorable one, of course, I'm going to say is uh, How Soon Is Now uh-huh. cover, which, of course, everyone knows that, by Love Spit Love. When Andrew, who is bound over there, when we were watching the movie, we were, we were really trying to figure out, like, who is doing this version of this song? And he was all, oh, Psychedelic Furs, maybe. And it's like, yeah, okay, maybe. I don't know if they did a version of this. And then we looked it up, and it was Love Spit Love. We were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense because the guy from Love Spit Love was in Psychedelic Furs. So we're smart, but we're not that smart. <laughs> There's even a Stone Temple Pilot song that's not it's not on the soundtrack, like if you bought the craft soundtrack, but it's used in the film. It's a Lady Picture Show, which was a single of theirs that I never had a problem with. That sounds funny, but like I, I was never really into them. But on occasion they surprised me with a cool song like this one that is very Beatlesy. That's true. A lot of other cool artists are on the soundtrack. There's uh, Letters to Cleo and Juliana Hatfield. Heather Nova, who is a little-known 90s singer-songwriter. I don't even know any of these other... There's Space Hog, which is always one of my favorite 90s bands. Uh, there's Alaska Song. There's... Portishead. 
Forzed, yes, thank you. A lot of them are covers. The Heather Nova song, for example, is a Peter Gabriel song. Um, we already said How Soon Is Now. Now, one thing I really love about this movie, and maybe it's my favorite thing about this movie, is when Nancy's mom gets the life insurance money, she buys a jukebox. And every song on that jukebox is by Connie Francis, which is a dream come true for me personally. I love Connie Francis so much. And it's really strange that that's in this movie. It seems out of place, but it goes with Nancy's mom's character, who's, uh, I, yeah, I don't know how to really describe her. She's kind of, I wouldn't say rockabilly, but she's kind of Peg Bundy in a way, but nicer. It, she's like a, a holdover from the 60s style, kind of like a weird way that I describe it in my own mind is poodle lady. I hope that people will understand what that means because I can't really explain it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Well, there wasn't much in that house to begin with anyway. It was like one couch and like, you mm -hmm. know, the jukebox like right in the middle yeah. of the entire thing. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like the only piece of furniture that really matters is this jukebox. Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe that's the only thing I really, really love about this movie. Uh, other than, I, you know, I really like the Wiccan store owner. I, I think that she's a valuable asset to this movie because she actually has some wisdom mm -hmm. that she's trying to uh, get these girls to adhere to. And uh, it sets up their failure, I guess. Yeah, she was like the only voice of reason in like the true, like, matriarch kind of figure. Right, right, right. And that has to do with um, the Wiccan thing of, of the goddess, the mother goddess, right. which I think is the only real, I guess, feminine attribute that these male screenwriters got remotely correct. You know, giving her this gentleness and this, this nurturing characterization is, is really, really important, and I really appreciate that. So good on, good on them for that. That one character. Yeah. <laughs> What did you like about this movie? I mean, we, we've been talking about how much we kind of don't like this don't movie, like the movie, but um, do, you, do you have <laughs> other things that, that I yeah. liked about it? Well, I mean, just the few positive parts of it, you know, uh, there were very few. So that's why I can't really recall, you know, just cause what am I supposed to get out of this? You know, like, uh, as I'm watching it, it's just kind of for like second or third time. I mean, I just didn't, it didn't stick with me as much as it, it used to when I was a kid. When I was a kid, mm -hmm. it was just all about like, like, yeah, badass girls doing some like dark stuff or different things and, mm -hmm. you know, away from the norm. And maybe that's why I was, you know, you know, when you're that young, you're just trying to kind of rebel and, and that's your kind of form of rebellion I guess mm -hmm. but now you know I, I, I look at it now and it's just like there's really nothing mm -hmm. <laughs> like cool about this movie that I mean aside from the soundtrack aside, yeah, aside yeah. from uh, just the small bits of sisterhood or you know right. uh, but aside from that I just didn't really care for it Mm -hmm. much. There's a lot of nostalgia for this movie, you know. I always say that it's dumb, like, there's a place in my heart for the craft. I mean, there kind of is, you know, like, there are things about it. It's just because it impacted me as a teenager, like, you know, I want to wear black lipstick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I never really wanted to do, like, witchcraft. Like, right? I wasn't like yeah. that. I, I guess maybe I'm just a poser who wanted to wear the Hot Topic clothes, but uh, not really. But um, <laughs> Not just a little bit? <laughs> okay, maybe a little bit. I did, I did really want to do black lipstick and have, like, really messy, crazy hair, which eventually in my life I did do. But there's so much nostalgia for this because, you know, everybody watched it when they're, like I said, it's like a girl's rite of passage, you know, mm -hmm. like, so you have these fond memories of, it's this weird kind of girl power. And 
there's really not much substance under it. So mm -hmm. when you watch it as an adult, there's just nothing there. Right. You know, yeah. there's nothing to emulate. Mm -hmm. I did not feel empowered. Right. It's not <laughs> empowering at all. I think th that's my final verdict on the craft. Not empowering. So thank you so much, Monica, for, for stopping by and talking about the craft with me. It was very cool. So <laughs> it's very cool. Well, thank you again for having me. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we normally do not have guests on our show, um, Vincent Price's Laugh, but uh, we're making a special exception for this special exception movie. So everybody, you can follow Vincent Price's Laugh on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. And also, hey, how about going to iTunes and um, clicking subscribe or maybe uh, giving us a awesome rating and a review that'd be really appreciated and thanks as always for listening and have a wonderful night bye bye this podcast is brought to you by ouch my ego visit ouchmyego.com so wait how do we unbind andrew yeah how <laughs>